Just giving God some time. Reading from the fifth chapter of Daniel and reading at verse number five. And the Bible said, In the same hour came forth the fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. The king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. The king cried aloud to bring the astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers and the king spake and said unto the wise men of Babylon, whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof, he shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be put third, put be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing, nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. Now when the queen reasoned of the words of the king, and his lords came to the banquet house, and the queen spake, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom the spirit of the holy gods is, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of, my, of the, thy father's light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, and was found in him, whom King Nebuchadnezzar thy father, the king, I say, thy father made master of magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Verse number 12, for as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams, show, the showing of hard sentences, the dissolving of doubts, were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show you the interpretation. You may be seated. We have preached over the years and other preachers have preached and you could probably get a basket full of sermons that have been preached from these scriptures about the handwriting on the wall. This was a phenomenal happening in the day that Belshazzar lived. It's something that I only read about happened one time. And just because it only happened one time does not make it freak. That just simply makes the way that God wanted to move that very one time. But we find here that what had happened, that King Belshazzar had made a feast. And he had taken in this feast and he invited all of the wise men and all his uh, princes and their concubines and just literally an adulterous bunch together together. He was going to celebrate simply because of all of his feats of victory. And all the things that he had done. It was a great feast and a thousand of his lords. And the Bible said they drank wine before the thousand. And Belteshazzar tasted the wine. And as he tasted the wine, there were some things that he had in his treasure house that did not really belong to him. They simply belonged to the Lord. And that was no more than the vessels which were in the temple of God. Those things were consecrated and dedicated unto the Lord. I'd like to take some time now to explain to you who you are. 
and what you are and for what purpose you were created. You're who you are simply because you were born into the family that you were born into. Your name might be Smith, it might be Jones, it might be Brown, it might be I don't know what, just whatever it is, you were born into that family. Or else perhaps maybe you were adopted into that family. But that's why you are who you are. But let me explain to you what you are. You yourself, everyone in this building, were born not as a freelance individual, but according to the Word of God, we were made in God's likeness. We were created in His image, and we were born in one reason, and that one reason only is to be a creature of praise and adoration. It was not to be a creature of praise and adoration to ungodly things, but it was to be a creature of praise and adoration to the Almighty God of heaven. That's exactly why we were born. But when we were born, we were born into a world that was filled full of sin. That's why the writer plainly stated, you were born in sin. You were shapen in iniquity. Amen. Job said that man that is born to a woman is a few days and full of trouble. What you really are, my friend, and maybe you have not realized it yet, but you are a creation of the divine God of heaven who made you for one sole purpose, and that was to glorify and magnify God. But if we have become disordered, what should I say, turned about. We have become so messed up by sin that men today give themselves to ungodly things, and they use their life in a very ungodly fashion. We are not fulfilling the command of God, for the command of God is present your body unto God a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. May I say, if we're anything, we are temples of God that have been inhabited by temples of devils, that God right now is reaching and trying to get every man, woman, boy, or girl to stir themselves and let them know that they need to go back to their original state and get their heart right with God and be what God really wants you to be. God does not want you, my friend, to be a vulgar person. He doesn't want you to be a drunkard. He does not want you to be a liar. God, God wants you to be, he wants you to be a temple of the divine glory of God. That's why the Bible said, know you not, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's what this body is. God loves the temple of God. We are consecrated, dedicated vessels unto the Lord that God pulled out of the work of sin, set us on a rock and give us something to live for. But here we find that Belshazzar had taken temples. He had taken things out of the house of God that he literally had no business with his hands on. I'd like to declare to the devil today, he has no business with his hands on God's people. We are the temple, hallelujah, of God Almighty. We are consecrated, dedicated, amen. We have been given to God for one reason and one reason only. That's to show forth the glorious works of God to a lost and dying world that men and women can see who God really is. I did not get saved and God did not save me so men could see see me, but God saved me so men could see him. The Bible said that he might see my good works and glorify my Father which is in heaven. That's why I'm in the church. 
That's why you're in the church. That's why God saw fit to save you. Here we find that Belshazzar was having himself a ball. Listen to me, folks. The world is having their self a ball, if you please. They are drunk on the wine of their own fornication. They have sold themselves down the river of sin. They are floating their boat straight to hell. They're having their self a blast. Their laughter can be heard in the wee hours of the morning. On Friday and Saturday nights, the thumping of their music and the dancing of their feet can be heard across the streets from their taverns and their bars and their party houses. I'm telling you, they're having themselves a time. But I want you to know today that, friend, God's still writing on the wall. Amen. He does not do it just in Belshazzar's time. The Bible said that as Belshazzar partied and took the holy dedicated vessels of God's house, and begin to drink the wine of their sin out of them. There came the finger about the size of a man's hand and begin to write upon the plaster of the wall. And the scripture said that it said, meaning, meaning, tinkle you person. When you look that up in the word of God, it has three different things that it denotes. I'd like to say, church, we're living in a time right now that God's been writing on the wall in every service. He's not taken his hands and inscribed it in the, in the plaster of our walls, he's already rooted down. When God inscribed it that day in Belshazzar's castle, he did not have it on paper. But I promise you right now, it's already written right here. Amen. God's saying to you, my friend, that many of us are weighed in the balances and we're found wanting. We're not pleasing God. We've got to shake ourselves and come back to where God wants us to come back to. Belshazzar was having himself a time. But one thing Belshazzar possessed that many of us have lost, and that was that Belshazzar feared the power and the promise of God. For when Belshazzar saw the finger of a man's hand begin to write upon the plaster of the wall, he became troubled and disturbed in his spirit. Oftentimes I've asked God why men can come and sit in services such as this and others that we've had and can sit there unconcerned and unmoved and unstirred when an ungodly man like Belshazzar sat there and when he saw the finger of a man's hands the Bible said that his spirit was troubled on the inside Belshazzar knew that he had saw something supernatural that he had saw something out of the ordinary and according to the word of God he begins to be so afraid that his loins loosened up and the joints of his knees begin to smite together. He became afraid. Why? Because he saw something. He knew that message was for him. If I could get you to realize today that the word of God is for you. It's not just for your neighbor. It's not just for the man in front of you. But the word of God is for you, my friend. Because everybody in here is going to be in eternity somewhere and we've got to get it ready to now or we're not going to get it to together at all. We've got to make preparation right now. Today, the Bible said, is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not the day after, not the week after, but right now is the time to get right. Belshazzar knew when he saw the writing on the wall that that was a message that he needed to find out what it meant. I'd like to say, friend, that the message of God sometimes can bring life to you and sometimes the message of God will bring condemnation and even death to you. But you had better pay close attention and see what God's trying to say in this last final fleeting hour. 
I was rehearsing the other night with a minister and, and as we weeped over the tragedy in Vivi, how that we talked about and he was telling me about a church in Georgia that their pastor was hunting one day and the church was doing well and things were going fine and all of a sudden this pastor fell out of a tree, 40 foot he fell and literally broke his neck and they found him in a bloody heap about a day and a half later. Somebody said, but why, but why? I'll tell you friends, sometime God puts an, a punctuation mark on the end of a sentence so you can pay attention to it. That's why there's periods and semicolons, hear me, that's why God puts exclamation marks and question marks so men will understand what he's trying to say. I'd like to say today friend that God's saying wake up that God's saying friend it could be you that God's saying you better get your own heart right. That God's saying you gotta get ready and stay ready you're not guaranteed tomorrow to think that the very family that's gone now sat in our car and in our house and was with us just no less than a week ago and now they're eternally gone until we meet them on the other side. They could have been, and it could have been you. But many of us will never read the handwriting on the wall because we have lost our fear of God. And we think, well, we can get by with doing it. We can get by with living like the devil. The Bible said just because judgment against an evil work isn't executed expediently, that it's put in men's heart to do evil continually. We feel like we can get by day after day and week after week and hour after hour. Amen. I was reading in the Word of God in the 57th chapter of the book of Isaiah and as I wondered about the death of Brother Harrison, this scripture was brought to my attention. Isaiah 57, 1 says this, said the righteous perish and no man layeth it to heart. In other words, they don't pay any attention. Why? They don't understand why. They see that and they wonder why did this happen? Oh, surely he must have been a bad man. Surely the family was not living right. But I want you to listen to what the Bible said. Isaiah 57, 1 said the righteous perisheth and no man layeth it to heart. And the merciful men, merciful men are taken away the scripture said, not considering that the righteous is taken away from what? The Bible said the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. I'm telling you it's not getting any better. It's not going to get any better. God knew what Brother Harris and his family were going to have to face and you better wake up and realize what you're going to have to face. You better read the writing on the wall. God's trying to talk to America. Sure he is. Oh, I've heard that preached time and time again, but I promise you, if some of you don't change your ways and realize the handwriting on the wall, it's going to be the coffer of your casket that's rolled up the aisle of this church and we'll be standing here weeping over your lost and dying soul because you did not read the handwriting on the wall. But not me, preacher. You're not too handsome and you're not too pretty, my friend, to leave this life unprepared to meet God. You have got to make your preparation now. When I read those scriptures yesterday, it gave me a tremendous consolation in realizing that righteous men do perish. And the world just don't pay any attention to it. But God said, let me draw your attention to it. The reason merciful men are taken away, the reason that some are gone is because I'm saving them the evil that is to come to them. I'm getting them out of the way before the heartbreak befall them. I'm getting them out of the way sometimes while they're righteous and while they're holy. 
Folks, let me tell you right now, you had better read what God's trying to say. You had better pick that Bible up instead of a dust collector. You had better make it the rule book of life and walk according to that thing. But my little Johnny, he'll be safe. He'll grow up to be a, a fine young man. Yeah, Krista Harrison thought she would grow up. She felt like she was going to get into aviation. She was going to major in art. Sister Rena was going to help her. She talked about it just this week. That's what I'm going to do. She thought she would make it until death came knocking at our door so fast she did not even have time to say hallelujah. There's some handwriting on the wall that we had better read, and I mean you better read it right because it could be what will decide your eternal destiny with Jesus Christ. Belteshazzar took the vessels. Let me say something, friend. You better watch where you take your vessel. I said, you better watch where you take your vessel. If you know the truth, you better watch where you take your vessel and how you live. Because when you defile the vessel of God, hear me, if you defile the vessel of God, I will not give you, friend, one ounce of guarantee for nothing. You're going to have to realize, you're going to have to get it right, and you're going to have to keep it clean. You're going to have to stay out of the beds of iniquity and the ungodly dens of hell. And you're going to have to make your mind up to live for God. It's amazing me how sin can cheapen you. It's amazing how sin can cheapen your looks. How that one minute a beautiful girl can be just fine. But sin get a hold of her and the next minute she's a repulsive sight. That sin is ripped apart in her soul. Why? Because when you defile the temple that God has consecrated, you, my friend, are a victim of the handwriting on the wall. And you're going to have to wake yourself up, my God, and get a hold of yourself. And find out what God's trying to tell you. It'll never happen to me. Bill Shazer never dreamed that God's hand would write a message to him. Brother Gator, he never dreamed that. I'm king. I got it rolling my way. Man, ain't nobody's going to usurp authority over me. I got it going my way. But in the middle of his way, there come a devastating writing on the wall that stopped him in his tracks and made him shake and quiver and wonder. He knew that that message was not a good message. I don't know how he knew. I don't know what he felt. But I promise you, he knew that that message was urgent. He knew that ever who wrote that with that finger that moved along that wall did not write that to decorate the wall of his house. And I'm going to tell you, God did not pin 66 books of this precious Bible just for you to carry under your arm and lay beside you in church. God had this pen so men would pick it up and live by it and see what he said. The Bible said the soul that sinneth. Hallelujah. It didn't say the body that sinneth. It said the soul that sinneth. Hallelujah. The scripture said it shall die. What do you mean, preacher? That means, friend, when we come to God, we were sinners in soul and body, but God redeemed our soul. Amen. The sin we done in our body before we came to God, God's giving us life. Hallelujah. And our soul's going to live on. There's some handwriting right now saying get right with God before it's too late. The effects of a catastrophic experience that we've experienced in the last few days, I wonder why men can shake it off. Next week some will forget about this. Even today some of you have passed it off and said, oh well, that just happened to them. 
But you wouldn't have been saying that if it had been your family. You hear me? And I understand that when Belshazzar saw that, he called the soothsayers, the magicians, the wise men, the astrologers, everyone in his kingdom. He said, I've got to know what the writing says on the wall. There was an urgent cry went out from that king. That's what I'm longing to hear tonight. I'm longing to hear the urgent cry of a soul really wanting God. It's been a long time since I've saw somebody come to the altar and really want God. I mean that. It's been a long time since I've heard them come and urgently cry and weep and say, God, if you ever done anything, God, save me. It's been a long time since I saw them cry and really mean business. Oh, sometimes guilt gets a hold of folks' heart and they come and say, God, if you'll give me a chance, I won't do it again again until the next time. Amen, and guilt gets a hold. But I'm telling you what, there was an urgency in this man. I've got to know what it says. It was so important to him. He said, I'll give you the third rulership in my kingdom. If you can tell me what it says, I know it's from God. I know it's for me. I've got to know. But we say that message wasn't for me, preacher. That service wasn't for me. That older call wasn't for me. I'll just go on home. I got my boyfriend. I got my girlfriend. I don't need God. Oh, you fool. You're going to wake up and realize one of these days that the message is for you. There's no exemptions in this Bible when it comes to salvation. None whatsoever. Bill Shazer said, I've got to know what it says. Are you even interested? Do you even care? Or are we going to have to scrape your bloody body up off a pavement somewhere? Men weep and cry and say, listen, I, I should have listened. I looked at folks this morning in Vivi and the congregation who one time had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I looked out and I could count you in that congregation probably 15 backsliders. People that had once known the Lord sat there weeping and crying. Could not even hold their heads up. Sobbing and moaning and groaning. But friend, I'm telling you one thing right now. They don't even realize what the handwriting on the wall means. Oh God, if they could see it. If they could understand it. God's giving them one more chance. God's saying, come on folks, what do I have to do to stir you? What do I have to move? to do to stir you. These sinner folks had fell in love with Brother and Sister Harrison. I mean, they fell in love with them. They had come and to church. When, when I was there in the, in the bygone years, they would come, but they never fell in love with me. But God put a love in their heart for Brother and Sister Harrison. And they sit there, but the thing that they loved, God had snatched it away from them. And now they sit empty. Why? Because they didn't have the Holy Ghost. If it had, had the Holy Ghost, it had something. If it had, had the Holy Ghost, it had something. I said if it had, had the Holy Ghost, that something been with them in that service today. And they wouldn't have to sit there alone. My God. I'm afraid that we stop grieving for the dead and start grieving for ourselves because we don't have what it takes to be saved. He said, I want to know what it said. And when Daniel came on the scene, he said, King, keep your gifts. Keep your gifts. I'm afraid you're not going to like what this message says. I'm afraid you're not going to like the interpretation of what's on that wall. Folks, let me tell you, if you've even known God any time and you're not living for God now, you're not going to like what I'm going to say. 
You're not going to like it. Hell's going to be twice as hot for you. You say, why, preacher? Because your memory is going to haunt you just as much as the flames haunt you. A little coming to the altar and a little weeping is not going, my friend, to get you by. It's going to take a full repentant life and an infilling of the baptism of the Holy Ghost and an experience that's alive and vivid in your soul every day. Daniel said, King, you're not going to like this. You keep your gifts. I don't want your gold chain. The world's been trying to get me to hang one of them around my neck for a long time, probably with a little cross. I don't want your chain. You keep your gold chain. You keep your third place in your kingdom, my kingdom. Amen. I'm not looking for a kingdom here anyhow. My God's prepared a kingdom on the other side. You keep all of those things, every bit of those things. I don't want any of that, but you're not going to like what I'm going to say. You're not going to like it. But he said, Daniel, I've got to know. Thank God for people who want to know. Don't preach to me, preacher. If you preach to me, I'll be responsible for everything I hear. I want to tell you, you're responsible for everything in that book where you hear it or not. That's why God gives you eyes, and that's why God lets you read. You're responsible for what's in that book anyhow. There was a day that God winked at ignorance, but now he's commanded men everywhere to repent. My God, my God. And old Daniel said, listen, let me pray about this thing. And I'll bring you back the interpretation thereof, because my God can interpret dreams. My God can interpret vision. My God can interpret that handwriting because he put it up there. When he came back, he said to the king, king, this is what's written. He said, meany, meany, tinkle, you parson. He said, this is the interpretation of the thing. He said, meany, God has numbered thy kingdom and he's bringing it to an end. He's finishing it. In other words, king, after this night, you're not going to have any more kingdom. After this night, you're not going to be a king any longer. I want to tell you something, folks. It could be after this service that you'll never have another altar call. You'll never have another prayer. You'll never have another time to repent. Maybe you've got big plans for this afternoon, but those plans might not never materialize. Daniel said, God's numbered your kingdom and he's bringing it to a close. He's finishing it. Tico, the Bible said, says that you're weighed in the balances and you're found wanting. God said, I've checked your spirit, buddy. I've watched you in church. I've watched you in prayer meeting when you were there, if you were there. I've watched you and you don't measure up. You've got plenty of time for sinful things. You've got plenty of time for rock music, plenty of time for country music. Plenty of time for television. Plenty of time for ungodliness. But you ain't got no time for me. And I found you wanting. I found you wanting because wanting means that you don't have it. I found out that in your soul there's not the possession you need. You hear me? Friend, I'm telling you. Somebody said, oh, preacher, this is just another service. I'm going to tell you something, friend. What happened did not happen by chance. What took place this week did not take place by chance. 
I know I was there. I stood there in that church and preached while a congregation sit there worried themselves sick, not knowing that two and a half miles up the road lay the carcasses of their pastor and wife with their heads gone off of their bodies, amen, and their brains literally busted out simply because, friend, some drunken driver had come their way. But oh, preacher, it'll never happen to me. You are a fool. You're a fool. But I don't need God. You're a fool. You've come to have it. Daniel said you're not going to like it, but your kingdom's coming to an end. This is it. God's done divided it. Perry's, the Bible said, thy kingdom is divided. And God's taken what you had and given it to somebody else who wants it more than what you got it. There are people who want the Holy Ghost and you've done walked on it, spit on it, wiped your feet on it. God's going to give it to somebody else. Somewhere you've found wanting. God's done numbered your kingdom. God's done brought it to a close. And then God turns around and I'm going to give it to somebody else. You remember this, folks. The next person that comes to this altar and gets the Holy Ghost, they could be getting the portion that you once had or had opportunity to get. And now God's give it to somebody else. You hear me, young person? The next young lady that comes to this altar and prays through to the Holy Ghost, that could have been the very Spirit of God that you had one time. Next father that walks in this building and God deals with his heart. And I believe we're going to have them too. I believe there'll be folks get the Holy Ghost, the same power of God that one time you shouted with but lost your shout. He said, I've divided your kingdom. I've given to the Medes. I've given to the Persians. I've divided what you've had and I've given to two more. You got enough Holy Ghost when you're living for God to fill a thousand just like that. God said, I'm taking it away from you now. And I'm going to give it to somebody else. I don't know what you're going to do, folks. I don't know. Somewhere there's some handwriting on the wall. Those 180-some people that survived the plane crash here just this past week, they better read the handwriting on the wall. Because God's trying to tell them something. Did you hear me? That young man that drove the truck that the accident was caused by. He better stop. This might be what makes him think about his God. What he sets in a jail cell somewhere. It could be the thing that brings him to the reality. Hey, you better get it together because you need the Holy Ghost. What are you going to do? The very service that Brother Harrison and them were killed coming to. There was people set in that service that night. The power of God was so strong. There were people who sit there and all they could do was fool with their fingernails, scratch their head, play with their babies, write on their tablets. And they never did want to know what was on the writing on the wall. I'm asking you tonight as I bring this message to a close, can you see the writing? If you can, you better find out what it says. I said, can you see the writing? Can't you see how things are shaping up? 
Can't you understand what shape the world's in and the cry of the church is going out to you? Can't, cannot you see the state of apostasy that many churches are falling in, that they're losing the power of God simply because they're wanting more of the world? But somebody wrote a song one time and said, Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I'll not turn back, Lord, I'll not turn back. I'm asking you, friend, can you see? Some of you will walk out of this building today and say, oh, preacher, that service wasn't for me. But I want to tell you, if you're unsaved, this service for you. This could be either what saves you or what condemns you. It's entirely up to you. I believe with everything in my heart that if Bill Shazer would have bowed down on his face and repented before the Lord and called on God, there could have been a different turn of events after he found out what the handwriting on the wall was. I believe there could have been. How about you? For years you've known the message that this church has stood for. You've known what's right and you've known what's wrong and the majority, when it comes to sin, they just go for the wrong. But oh God, there's some folks that are concerned with the right. Belshazzar said, tell me, Daniel, do you possess the power to say what's on the wall? Daniel said, my God knows what that is. You let me go talk to him and I'm going to come back and tell you. And I won't leave a word out either, Bill Shazer. I won't leave one thing out of that message. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Whatever's on the wall is what I'm going to tell you it says. Someone said that plain words are easy understood. The only difference between the Harrisons some folks that sat in this building today is the Harrisons had made their heart right with God and they've went on to the promise of reward of a better place and if you go on you're going to a place more horrible than this there's handwriting on the wall I said there's handwriting on the wall in this church building, there's handwriting on the wall. In the front of your very physical being right now, if you look real hard, you can see with your spiritual eye, handwriting. You know whose name it's got on it? It's got yours. It's got your name on it. Let's talk about you. But oh, preacher, I've heard messages and I've been in services. And let me tell you something. I realize we could tell the most bloodiest, goriest tale and it wouldn't disturb some of you because you've watched so many videos and so many ungodly slicings and muggings and rapings and killings that nothing like that seems uncommon to you anymore. But let me tell you of a living reality of hell that no picture show can depict, that no television my friend could even tell you about. I'm talking about a place that the only description of that thing is in the Bible where the Bible said the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not and you'll never find a picture that'll compare. The fire that burnt the bodies of the Harrisons will never touch their soul. But the fires of hell are going to rip at your soul. Because you can't read the handwriting on the wall. 
Calvary. I'd come to God myself and say, I'm God. I'd say, oh God, I don't want to go to hell. And I'd move, move, move before it was too late. I've told you what the handwriting says for you. In simple terms, it's repent or perish. That's what it says. verse of this chapter of Daniel chapter 5 that said in that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain he was slain, killed murdered if you please and Darius the Median took the kingdom being about three score two years old I'm talking to you it don't matter how much I like you friend if you're not saved my friendship or you will never make you a bit of difference no matter how good your mom and dad are how good your wife or husband is it's your soul at stake and you better read the handwriting on the wall I want you to stand right now if you would because God's talking to your soul you can come to this altar today and bow your knee and whisper a halfway prayer back to your seat just as untouched and unmoved as you were when you came but if you can realize how lost you really are friend you're not going to wait you're going to come on down to this altar how about it come on right now Are you that deep in sin? Does sin have that big a hold on you? I would say 50% of the young people in this building of 10 age years are not saved. They might come to church, but they're not saved. Probably not more, more than 50%. Church and sit in the pew, but it's been so long since they prayed through. Been so long since they talked to God, they're not saved. There's some handwriting on the wall. I'm telling you, like it is. Some of your moms and dads in this building are not saved. There's some handwriting on the wall for you. You better read it. God's calling to you right now. Get out of that seat.
the pointing of the head. How about it, Dad? How about it, Mom? Night Come on, somebody will pray with you. There are shadows I'd rather know that somebody can help me go to heaven than to know the world can is full of you me. See the from where you somebody stand. else? Come on. Can you Get out of see the clock from where Some handwriting on the wall. I'm telling you, there's some writing on the wall. or two more there are people in this building if you listen please there are people in this building right now I'll be honest with you I fear for your lives I'm serious any night I expect to get a call because God's not going to put up with your lives of sin he wants you to come especially when he provides opportunity he wants you to come don't spurn him don't turn him away. Come on, right now.